first time long time 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 hey there sports fans first time long time i'm telling you Fitzgerald these richie barone richie how are you Pretty good. It's Friday, which means that uh, I'm going to be going out soon to get uh, some baby back, baby back, baby back ribs at my local Chili's. But before then, I'm going to sit here with you and we're going to do some Friday rankings, which is uh, a thing we do every Friday. It's a little bit of a shortened up show where we rank things about the Mets. And this week, what are we ranking, Tommy? Yeah, I tell you, kid, we're going to be ranking the top five scapegoats of 2016. And quite frankly, not a situation you want to be too negative, but in this kind of scenario, the season has not been ideal for the Metropolitans, so we have to switch it up a little bit. Got to blame somebody. You know, it's, it's, it's part of life. So we have the top five scapegoats of 2016. Who do we got? I'd say number five is uh, our boy Hansel Robles. Uh, you know, he's had a pretty up and down year. There are times when he looks like one of the more dominant relief pitchers in all the majors, and there are other times when I wish I was watching him from a, uh, a house in Rio so I could go outside and drink some of the water and kill myself. Uh, it's been, you know, it's it's just been that that different. Sometimes he's really good, sometimes he's really bad. Uh, he's got the the first name Hansel, which lends itself to being made fun of when he does bad things. And uh, my friend actually calls him Herobles, which uh, hasn't caught on yet, but he, he won't stop trying. So, um, yeah, Hansel Robles, up and down year. Uh, definitely a guy I blamed uh, this past Tuesday when I went to go see him pitch, and he blew it against the uh, pajama-wearing snakes. Yeah, I agree completely, kid. Hansel Robles, I liked him. He's a real fiery guy. He's got a real fire in his belly, sort of an angry demeanor. He does the quick pitch. He's always got a real, real fat lip of tobacco and chaw and that left uh, that left jaw and all that. But, you know, quite frankly, he hasn't performed uh, to this point this year. And, you know, Tuesday was a perfect example. Eight, nine, one hitters, and he, and he can't get it done, can't do his job. So number five, Hansel Robles, I'm in on that. And number four on our list, Lucas Duda. The Duda man, and, and you know, I'm I'm more than every anyone going to be a big fan of the Duda man, but quite frankly, and this isn't his fault, the guy just got hurt, but I think now you see more than ever what he means to the team when he's not in there having a power hitter from the lefty side. I like James Loney. I think he's fine. I think he's adequate, but, you know, without Duda with his bad back in that starting lineup, they just don't have any pop. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm definitely guilty of uh, taking a big old steamy dumper on uh, Lucas Duda there. Uh, you know, ever since that throw in the World Series, I know, I know, he didn't lose it by himself, yada yada. But I've uh, I definitely haven't been on board. You know, I I'm one of the guys that screams very loudly in public places that he does most of his hitting over the span of three weeks. And uh, you know, sometimes his physical appearance makes me uncomfortable. He looks like. Uh, he looks like a character from that cartoon Recess. Uh, if you if you took him and you threw him in that Space Jam and made him one of the Monstars, uh, and I know it's a very convoluted reference. Uh, convoluted, something I looked up on Google the other day. It means crazy. Uh, but at the same time, you know, I I like James Loney. I like what he's done for the team. 
I think he's a kid with a bright future, and uh, I think if Lucas Duda, you know, if, if Lucas Duda is just going to take up space in this team and not contribute and and be hurt while we're trying to make a World Series run, then then get out, buddy. Yeah, not ideal, not ideal for sure. We always always love you. At least one of us loves you, Lucas. I don't know about this Richie guy over there. Now we're a little torn in this one, but uh, you know, we're gonna mend our fences together. And, uh, you know, move on to number three. It is Curtis Grandison, who, to be honest with you, I never thought would be a scapegoat. This guy signed a deal, uh, came right on the heels of that Jason Bay debacle, which was our first uh, go-round with with a Canadian, and that did not go well at all. Um, You know, something we should have probably thought of before we jumped feet first into the Travis Darno situation, but that's another story for another day. Everyone was worried about Curtis Grandison. They gave him the four-year deal. Is he going to perform? Is he going to do this? Is he going to do that? The guy has done everything. I mean, short of serving nachos in the seventh inning to uh, one lucky fan in the front row, the guy's hit. He's fielded. He does those commercials for for the stadium giveaways with the Sox. Uh, He's been great. But, you know, this year, not so hot and batting a little too high in the lineup. Yeah, can I agree? And and no disrespect to Grandison. Like you said, he does everything right. He seems like a great guy, but this is a production business, and he's just not hitting the way that he's capable of. Yeah, I mean, the guy's, the guy's kind of hitting like Eric Campbell, except uh, they keep slotting him into the one or two hole. And, uh, you know, to be honest, it's just not, not really cutting the mustard. Uh, you know, I do appreciate the giveaway socks. I, I wear them a lot. Uh, sometimes... When I'm mowing the lawn, or you know, when I'm when I'm out there uh, kicking the old soccer ball around with uh, some of my pals, so I don't get my shins destroyed. But other than that, he's not doing anything for me. And uh, Gene tells me, my cousin who does a social for us, that Twitter has really been laying into him lately. So maybe it's time for us to move on from the Grandy Man. Yeah, shout out to Gene, our social guy, uh, your cousin, does a really good job. Number two on the Mets scapegoats of 2016, this one hurts, he pitched his dick off, uh, pardon my French, last season. Matt Harvey at number two, just didn't really have it when he was in there, went down with an injury. I, I understand that a lot of this had to do with an injury, but you know we were kind of hoping that he was going to be back to normal, not having him in there. I don't think it's a really a, maybe as much of a function as a scapegoat, as more of an unfortunate occurrence. Still love Matt Harvey, but, you know, it didn't really work out this year. Yeah, you know, the injury is unfortunate, but if you think back, I mean, you know, aside from this guy, you know, pitching this putt off and then uh, bullying Terry Collins in the playoffs into letting him back in the game and then, you know, giving up the uh, some of the runs that, that helped us lose that World Series... Uh, you know, things things got a little dicey. You know, Matty, Matty Boy loves spending time with models. Matty Boy loves this and that. Then he got real sensitive when, uh, you know, our boy Mark Carrig and his pals were asking why uh, Matty was having some bladder problems. And, you know, you can't, can't have it both ways. You can't be at the Ranger game uh, cursing out the Pittsburgh Penguins with Nick Mangold one minute. And then, uh, you know, the next minute you're getting all salty when someone's asking you uh, why your wee-wee isn't working. So, uh, you know, Matt Harvey, a little bit of a problem at the beginning of the season, uh, you know, was having numbness and tingling in his arm for the whole year. 
a little ridiculous that he didn't really disclose that. I don't know if that was the team's fault or his fault, but uh, in any case, I'm hearing people say that he's the one pitcher now that they would feel comfortable trading from this rotation, which, you know, if you told me that uh, a couple of years ago, I would I would have told you you're crazy. I mean, I, I flat out would have punched you right in the throat. Hundred <laughs> percent. Never advocate violence, but uh, that was a good one. You got me there, Richie. Yeah, the old throat punch sounds like a a wrestling move by Yokozuna back in the early nineties. Uh, oh, I love that guy, Mister Fuji. Used to throw the the salt of the sand in your eyes. Oh what yeah, a, what a team! What a team the two of them. Uh, you know, and like you said, Yokozuna had Mister Fuji. As his manager, pretty good manager. He was a bad guy, but he was very good at his job. And number one, we get to the number one scapegoat, a manager that isn't very good at his job, in Terry Collins. And look, you know, I thought I thought Terry Collins was the right guy when the Mets were sort of rebuilding and getting back to what they needed to be. He kind of teaches good habits. I guess the best way to describe this is when you have a president who's good in peacetime. You know what I mean? Like, Terry Collins, good peacetime president. I don't know if he's good when it comes to making big decisions. We had the debacle where he didn't pinch run for Jay Bruce because he said, for all he knows, that Jay Bruce is faster than Brandon Nimmo. And it's like, Terry, you've got two two eyes, kid. Uh, You know, so quite frankly, I don't know if it's time for Terry to retire to Boca Raton with, uh, you know, uh, the guy from the Uncle Junior from the Sopranos or whatever. But, uh, you know, he... I don't know if it's going to work out. Yeah, I mean, Terry, to me, if you, if you had Bob Barker uh, have sex with a golden girl, Terry Collins pops out. Okay, that's, that's Terry Collins in a nutshell. Uh, not a big fan of my boy Terry. I remember I went down to spring training a couple of years ago, and, you know, they say he's a nice guy. They say he's a player's coach. I don't know, because uh, I saw him literally about 10 feet away from Carlos Torres, Carlos Torres is standing up against the fence. Terry Collins is 10 feet away with a bat and balls, and he's just hitting balls as hard as he can. It's like, it's like uh, Torres is like pledging a frat or something. You know, It's like Alpha Beta Collins, and uh, Terry's just smashing balls at him like a friggin' animal. Uh, that's not the kind of manager I want managing my team. I think this guy fell ass backward into a World Series team last year. And this year, when, when you sit there, like you said, Jay Bruce uh, slides – you don't check the call, and then they ask you why, and you said, oh, I didn't think of it. What were you doing, Terry? Was there a, was there a Sudoku uh, going on that you were, you were in the middle of? Like, what the hell is the problem? So uh, Terry Collins, easily the number one scapegoat for the New York Mets. Uh, you know, I, if I could, I would, I would get him out of there tomorrow, and I would let this guy uh, bench coach uh, Dick Scott, who sounds like a, uh, a movie detective with that name, but uh, I would let him finish out the season, uh, you know. Let him try to try to get us to the promised land, kind of like when they they screwed uh, Willie Randolph and let Jerry Manuel take us the rest of the way. I know it's late August, but you know Terry is he's not making it happen with the Ty Kelly, with the the not checking the Bruce play at home. Uh, he's he's got mats with a bone spur throwing 120 pitches. Uh, he's leaving Hansel Robles in till we're down by about 19 runs. The guy's a disaster. Uh, number one scapegoat. Easy. Case closed. That's all we got for you. But there is one honorable mention, I think. And uh, I think we both agree on this one, Tommy. Who is it? Uh, Antonio Bastardo seemed like a nice idea on paper. 
And he had he had the one moment in San Diego where he struck out the uh, guys with the bases loaded, struck out three in a row, got out of the inning, didn't give anything up. But the problem with Bastardo is he'd come in, he'd either strike out about three guys in a row, or he'd give up uh, about three base runners in a row. There's no in-between. So you're really playing Russian roulette, essentially, with Antonio Bastardo. So uh, honorable mention. See you soon, kid. Yeah, I mean, he does sound like a good idea on paper, like, you know, like building a birdhouse or, uh, you know, laying bricks for your own patio. You know, I mean, it all seems like a good idea until you're actually doing it. Then you're outside cursing your brains out. And that's how I felt with Antonio Bastardo. It was like, you know, oh, the guy, the guy's good and he's got a funny last name. You can make a bunch of bastard jokes. And we did. But, uh, you know, he didn't pitch that well. And, uh, you know, we should have known. Um, it's not it's not a concrete fact like these these stats nerds like to go with, but I took a look at ESPN.com and I saw that he hasn't pitched well in an even numbered year for about five years, you know, five even numbered years. So, you know, really bad job by Sandy Alderson there. Got to do a little more homework, Sandy. I'd appreciate that. Thankfully, they were able to get rid of him, and we brought back uh, Johnny. Thanks a lot, Carlos Beltran, for my nose job niece. And we'll see how that goes. So, uh, you know, that's our five scapegoats for the 2016 New York Mets plus one bonus one. You're welcome. And uh, that's all we got for you. So, like we, like we always say, please subscribe, listen, rate us, review us. First time, long time. Find us on the Facebook, at MetsFTLT on the Twitter. First time, long time pod at gmail.com. We do appearances. We sign autographs. You know, we'll we do birthday parties. You know, you name it, we're there for you. And uh, hopefully, the Mets can be there for us this weekend. We'll see you on uh, Tuesday. Take it easy. <laughs>